Man, it has been uh, it has been a turbulent week, um, to say the least. And um, truthfully, you know, those of you who know me know I'm I'm not very often at a loss for words. Um, but I have quite literally, uh, for much of the last seven days, been at a loss for words. And um, but before we jump into um, just what we're going to look at uh, this evening, there, there's a couple things I just want to mention to help frame our time together. Um, you know, as I've interacted with with a number of people within our church family uh, over the last uh, week, it's it's abundantly clear, it's evident. Um, we have brothers and sisters in the Lord who we worship together with, who are part of our church family, who are who are hurting, who are grieving, who are confused. Uh, we have people all across the board who are just, I mean, just totally lost on uh, what to do and where do we go from here. Um, and so my hope for this evening uh, is for us to draw from some biblical wisdom um, that can really shape our approach as a church and then to lay out um, for our church family specifically, but even if you're not a part of our church family, I think these are things generally uh, that any follower of Christ could do uh, for uh, very specific actionable steps. Um, and then we're going to close uh, with a time of prayer. So again, if you're, you're not a part of our church family, please just know I'm speaking tonight primarily um, as a pastor, speaking to, to my church family, um, but I do believe uh, what we're going to share here from the book of James and then some of the action steps I'm going to lay out uh, are going to be applicable for anybody um, who, who's a follower of Jesus. And so I hope um, that you find something that's helpful uh, here tonight uh, as we um, just collectively, as the body of Christ, starts trying to begin um, charting a, a path forward. Um, second, um, I, I want to say um, we really want to do everything we can to um, let this not become a forum that explodes in debate and divisiveness and argument. Um, in the spirit of where we're going in the book of James uh, this evening, um, the, the wisdom of Scripture to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger in that spirit tonight, um, or whenever you watch this, we just ask that uh, this not be become a divisive forum. Uh, we're going to talk about some very sensitive things, absolutely. Um, but my goal is that we, as followers of Jesus, could embrace a humble posture of attentiveness um, that allows us to hear, first and foremost, wisdom from the Word of God so that we can be equipped to hear from and have conversation with others uh, with whom we may disagree. Um, and so my hope tonight is that there's, there's wisdom from God's word that no matter where you stand on these issues, these are things that we should be able to rally around together and agree on uh, and, and come to a place where we can uh, start moving towards a deeper understanding of what's happening uh, and how um, we, we can respond. But um, you know, ever since I heard the words, um, I can't breathe, uh, come out of George Floyd's mouth last week, um, like many of you, uh, you know, I, I watched that video, um, my wife watched the video, and um, when I was watching, uh, I just felt grief in my heart, um, if I'm being honest, just felt anger in, in my soul, just sickness in, in my stomach, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's amazing with what happened to George Floyd. This has certainly not been universal agreements across the board, but more than any tragedy and injustice like this that I could remember, 
um, that there seemed to be a, a fairly broad condemnation of, of what happened, even, even people who are typically very divided uh, on these types of issues, uh, at least anecdotally for me, I, I saw a number of people who are generally divided on these things look at this and say, man, this is just wrong. Uh, I've heard uh, that from, from law enforcement. Um, it, there's been such a, a, a large outcry that would uh, indicate that we agree, uh, many of us, on the fact that, man, that should not ha have happened. I mean, just as there's no question about where I stand personally on this, I, I believe fully that the death of George Floyd um, is just among the most horrific injustices uh, of our day, of this century, certainly of uh, my lifetime. We as followers of Jesus, at the base foundation of what we believe is that God has created all man in his image. Every uh, man, woman, and child on this planet uh, born and unborn, uh, is a divine image bearer uh, that has been formed and fashioned and made in the image of God and as such should be treated with uh, dignity, with honor, uh, with respect. Uh, I, I know that George Floyd's past and uh, things are being nitpicked in, in the public eye as always, regardless of what happened. Uh, the way he was treated was barbaric, it was inhumane, uh, it was needlessly unnecessary. Uh, and, and it should grieve the heart of any follower of Jesus Christ that any human being uh, would be treated in the way um, that we, we saw this. Um, and, and, and so there seems to be agreement, a lot of agreement about that fact. And yet the subsequent fallout of the last week uh, has just proven once again how not on the same page uh, many of us are on these things, how deeply divided that we are. Uh, th this is a wound in our nation's history. This is a wound in American church culture uh, that has never fully healed. And every few months, it feels like in some new way, it just gets ripped open again and does deeper damage. And so as I've looked back over the last week, and also all this was getting started last week, there, there was you know, th this sense of just like, wow, like here, here we go again, unfortunately. And, and there seem to be these, these cyclical patterns where um, something tragic happens, and then there's this very large outcry for a couple of weeks, but then something new comes up in the news cycle, and then it disappears and we move on. We never really resolve anything so that when it happens again, we find ourselves back in the exact same place where we were. I mean, like, for real, y'all remember coronavirus? Remember that that was like the thing, and, and now suddenly, like that just that just disappeared in the news cycles in light of what has been happening over the last seven days, and, and so the fear is that here we are again. There's been a horrific injustice. Um, the image of God has been desecrated in a person, and and we run this risk of over the next couple of weeks, this just sort of simmering down, and then us progress or us moving on, and nothing ever. Uh, really changes. And, and so as I, I just began to really search my soul and to have conversations uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ in our own church family, outside of our church family, uh, white brothers and sisters, black brothers and sisters within our church family over the last couple of weeks, just hearing tr all sorts of different perspectives. As I've prayed through this over the last week, I was at the beach with my family this past Sunday, and the passage of scripture the Lord put on my heart uh, was from the book of, of James, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. I think this is incredibly timely wisdom for the church today. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger 
does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. At the foundation of a soul that has been saved by Jesus Christ, of a heart and a life that has been transformed, is the belief and the truth from Scripture that we will bear fruit in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, it, it really troubles me that over the last week, I've heard a number of professing followers of Jesus. We look at something like this and we say, yes, this is terrible, but we just need to focus on the gospel. And, and yes, the calling of the church is primarily to preach the gospel and make disciples, to preach the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to call people to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. But, but just think about what the gospel message is. It's a message that God saw us in our brokenness. He saw us in our sin. He saw us in our moment of greatest need, and he did not leave us there. In, in eternity past, he planned for his son, Jesus Christ, to come as our rescuer, as our redeemer, as our Messiah, to draw us to himself. Jesus said the mission statement of his life was to seek and to save the lost. And, and so as those who have been transformed by that work, the way we prove that that transformation has actually occurred in our lives is that we bear fruit for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You know, within our church family over the last couple of Sundays, we have looked at these uh, truths from the Gospel of John that Jesus is the door and he is the good shepherd. And what does the good shepherd do? He protects those who are vulnerable. He, he stands in the gap to fight off the wolves and, and to call to himself those who are lost and who are wondering and who are hurting. And we are called as followers of Jesus to imitate the work of the Good Shepherd, to participate in this work with him. And you simply cannot read the Old Testament, the New Testament, listen to the words of Jesus, read the words of the apostles, and not believe that our God has a, doesn't have a heart for justice. It is evident from start to finish in Scripture. So yes, the primary work of the church is to preach the gospel. But we don't just preach the gospel with the, our words. We also preach the gospel with our lives. This is exactly what the book of James is about. James makes it clear that faith without works is dead on arrival. He talks about doing very practical things like visiting widows and orphans and caring for them in their distress and not just overlooking the needs of people who are hungry and saying things like, hey, be, be warmed up and fit like that's that's not what God's word tells us. We actually take the action and the initiative to make the gospel believable to an unbelieving world with our actions. So when we talk about uh, pursuing any sort of next steps, yes, we absolutely have to root that in the work of the gospel. Let's not forget about what the gospel is what God has done for us, and what we can do for others so that they can hear, know, and believe uh, who Jesus is. So um, in light of what we find here in, in the book of James, um, here are three uh, practical pieces of wisdom that I believe are uh, completely applicable uh, for the church today. Uh, James gives three directives here in verses uh, 19, uh, here in verse 19. Um, and the first directive is to be quick to listen. James says, be quick to listen. There's three directives in James 1.19. In one of them, we're told to be quick. The other two, we're told to be slow. And the only time we're told to be quick is when we're being told to listen. 
Um, many of you, like maybe like me, I grew up with a parent who uh, loved to remind me uh, quite often that God created me uh, with one mouth and two ears for a reason. Uh, and, and depending on the study that you look at, um, you, you can quickly learn that anywhere between 70 and 90%, again, it just depends on the study you look at, anywhere between 70 and 90% of our communication is nonverbal. So, so things like uh, body language, tone of voice, uh, just, just behaviors and, and mannerisms. Uh, I'm a hand talker, you know, so, so 90% of our communication, uh, 70, 90% is nonverbal. What social media has done in many ways is it has given us an extra mouth and it's taken away most of our hearing. Again, just, just scroll through your social media feed and look at arguments over the last seven days and, and pay attention to how many times you find words like this. You're missing the point. You're not understanding what I'm saying. You're not hearing me. And the reason we're not hearing each other is because we can't actually hear each other. Uh, th these digital platforms can very, very quickly dehumanize others so that no longer are, are the, the people that we're engaging online, uh, uh, people to be loved, as we should be doing as followers of Christ, they become profiles to attack. And it becomes just, just for us that this game where uh, we, we just assume the worst about each other and, and, and just, again, go look through your social media feed. You will find very little, if any, evidence to prove that arguing about things online does anything to move anything forward. You'll find very little to any evidence. You'll find a lot of evidence to the contrary. You'll find a lot of evidence to show that it's actually making us more divided, that it's driving us further apart. And the wisdom we find in God's word is that we need to be quick to hear. But in order to hear, that's going to require a lot more in-person, life-on-life, flesh-and-blood uh, interaction. The other day, um, someone asked me, um, you know, just in light of the fact that our church, like many churches, we've been meeting online for the last few months, someone asked me uh, if I saw online church as a viable replacement uh, for um, in-person church. And the question didn't even come out of their mouth all the way, and I had already responded, absolutely not. Uh, the ministry of presence is a real thing. While I believe uh, online uh, ministry is a very helpful supplement uh, to help us grow as followers of Jesus Christ, it can simply never replace uh, the full gathering or the body of believers. We need moments where we can be in-person, present with one another. That's been what's been difficult about the last few months. And I've been reminded of this more than ever, how badly we need uh, that life-on-life, flesh-and-blood, in-person uh, interaction. I want to share something with you uh, from John Stott that was written in 1982. I, I shared this on social media. I know some of you uh, probably saw it um, over uh, the last couple of days. Uh, he wrote this in 1982. And so this is as uh, the, the digital revolution was really starting to take off, and he was starting to look into the 21st century uh, in some of the challenges that the church was going uh, to face. He, he says, um, uh, in, in this quote, he says, we should certainly welcome the fact that the silicon chip will transcend human brain power as the machine has transcended human muscle power. Much less welcome will be the probable reduction of human contact as the new electronic network renders personal relationships ever less necessary. In such a dehumanized society, the fellowship of the local church will become increasingly important, whose members meet one another and talk and listen to one another in person rather than on screen. 
In this human context of mutual love, the speaking and hearing of the word of God is also likely to become more necessary for the preservation of our humanness, not less. There is simply no replacement for the flesh and blood, life on life, body of believers. And unless we can maintain that, we will never truly hear each other. And, and as this, this, this digital revolution just continues to progress, as we become more absorbed in our screens, more distant from one another, uh, the greatest imperative that we have as the church is the message of the gospel. Uh, I was talking um, to someone from our church family uh, today, um, uh, just a young African-American woman who's in our church family, and I just asked her point blank. I said, you know, as I, come, as I come out and share these things tonight, what is one thing that you would really want to hear me say? Like, what's one thing that if we got to the other side of this this evening, you would want to walk away and say, I'm glad that I heard that? And she said, as a follower of Christ, the first thing I want to hear is the gospel. Because that is what we most desperately need right now, is the transforming power of the gospel. We can talk about behavioral changes, we can talk about reforms, and there's absolutely a place and time for those conversations, and there's absolutely a responsibility for the body of Christ to be engaged in those things. But that all begins with the transformative heart work of the gospel. We have to have life-on-life relationship where we can hear each other. Our actions online are proving we're not hearing each other. When someone cries out for injustice, they're grieving and they're hurting. And the very first responses that they get are, yes, but. Or, yes, but what about all of the other injustices in the world? Why are we focusing just on this one? Or they're immediately snapped back with all lives matter. Listen, whether you agree with the statement or not, that type of response does not indicate a posture that is quick to listen. We have to be able to pause and hear people and listen to what it is that they're saying. Now, the consummate story of suffering in all of Scripture is the story of Job. And, and what uh, makes up most of the story of Job is all of the dialogue and debating between Job and his friends. So Job loses everything. He loses his family. He loses his home. He loses his health. He's in suffering. And his friends come, and they just sit with him for several days. It says that no one said a word. They just want to be present with their friend. You know when Job's friends went wrong? It's when they opened their mouths, when they started trying to explain what was happening and, and started trying to assign guilt and, and blame instead of just sitting there and being present with their friend. The mandate of the body of Christ for those who are suffering is to mourn with those who mourn. It's to grieve with those who grieve. Paul says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. He, the scripture compels us to, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And every time we, we hear someone cry out in pain and we immediately respond with the reason why their pain isn't real or why it's imagined, every time we do this, the gospel is fully maligned. We need to be people who are present with each other, who give each other the space to speak minds. We need to have ears that are quick to listen. Otherwise, we are never going to take any sort of step forward. Uh, James says second here that we're to be slow to speak. Be quick to hear. That's the one thing we're supposed to be fast about. Be quick to hear, but then be slow to speak. It's important to pay attention to what James says. He doesn't say don't speak. He doesn't say just sit there in, in silence and, and, and only let other voices speak. He just says be slow to speak. 
don't be thinking about what you're saying while someone else is is talking. I'm, I'm the world's worst about this, right? Like I, I I can so sometimes get so worked up about things or in a conversation and get so excited about something that's uh, as another person's talking, I never actually hear what they're saying because all I'm thinking about is what I'm going to say next. And God's word really cautions us against this. We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Calculate what you're saying. These are incredibly sensitive subjects that, that are near and dear to people's hearts. I mean, that these are volatile situations. And, and we as the church have this opportunity to model for the watching world what it looks like to have civil discourse that, that glorifies God, that honors our neighbor, uh, so that we can have open, honest conversation, give each other the space to speak minds, to, to vent, to say what needs to be said, uh, free uh, of knowing that we're just going to jump back and attack uh, simply because we disagree. We've got to be slow to speak. You know, many have said, uh, I think rightly so over the last week, that now is not the time for silence. And I would agree with that 100%. And I would just add to that, though, uh, it's also not the time, however, for the wrong kind of noise. And there is a wrong kind of noise that, that we can be making in this. The wrong kind of noise is, again, to invalidate the suffering of people who are struggling. To, to try and, and explain it away with, with something else. So, um, so, so I just want to use just kind of a, a personal example and, and something that, that's fundamental to our church. So, um, you know, me personally and, and our church, we, we embrace an unapologetically pro-life ethic. We believe in the image of God and man uh, from womb to tomb, and we want to do everything that we can to value that and honor that and celebrate it and protect it. And so um, as a church, we pledge thousands of dollars each year to pro-life causes in our community. Uh, last year, I had the opportunity uh, to speak uh, at a, a Radiance Women's Center, a local banquet for um, this women's center. And so my role that night uh, was to speak, um, to, to give a, a pro-life message that promoted the work of the ministry that they're doing there and uh, to, to elevate uh, the, the mothers and, and the children and everything, just all the work that's happened there to celebrate all of that. And I just want you to think about this with me for a second. How tone deaf would I have sounded if that night uh, when I got up to give my speech, I spent a couple minutes really promoting the work of the Pregnancy Center, but then shifting gears and saying, but you know what? I don't think we need to just focus on the work that's happening here. I think we need to focus on the work of food banks as well and on homeless shelters and, and all sorts of other causes. I mean, this isn't the only cause. We need to talk about all the other causes. It's not that that wouldn't have been true. It's just that it would have been incredibly inappropriate for that specific moment. And, and so listen, it's, it's like we become so mindlessly polarized in many ways that I fear we as a society have forgotten that it is in fact possible to walk and chew gum at the same time. You can actually be grieved about two different things at once. Because you speak about one injustice does not mean someone doesn't care about all of the other injustices. It's just that in this specific moment, this is what we need to be paying attention to. And the longer we keep changing the subject to something else, the longer we uh, keep uh, comparing which rage we should be more ragey about, uh, the longer we do these things and, and, and fail to address this head on, the more we're going to keep falling back into this over and over and over again. It, listen, when we speak out about injustice, it, and particularly this injustice, uh, the, the, the loss of the life, the murder of, of George Floyd. When we talk about this particular injustice, it does not mean we don't care about other injustices. It means that we just want to be sensitive to this moment. We want to be present with the grieving, we want to be present with the hurting, 
present with the morning. You don't go to the, the funeral of your best friend's father and say, yes, this is bad, but what about all the other fathers who have died today? Let's not just focus on, we, we don't do these things. We know this. We know this is true. We need to be quick to hear, and we need to be slow to speak, and we need to be careful not to fill the air with the wrong kind of noise. You know, many uh, that I've had conversations with in our church family last week, and I've seen this expressed a lot online as well, I think this is a very legitimate, valid, honest sentiment where you have people saying, listen, I, I did not grow up knowing about these things, seeing these things. I'm honestly kind of ignorant to, to what's happening, not by, not by choice. It's just, I, I just seriously was just never aware. I feel like I want to say something, I need to say something, but I don't know what to say. I'm worried that if I speak out that I'm going to say the wrong thing. Well, well first, I, I think that is, is really wise in line of biblical wisdom uh, that we not just speak out just for the sake of speaking out, that you want to say the right thing when, when, when you speak out. You want to be quick to hear and slow to speak. But let, let me just share this with you this evening. I think something will be helpful for you. It is okay to not know what to say. It's okay to not know what to say. And so this is how I would encourage you to speak out, is to speak out by saying, I don't really know what to say, but here's what I do know. My ears are open and I'm ready and I'm willing to listen. To just communicate to, to those who are grieving, listen, even if you don't fully understand it, I see you and I hear you and I love you. I don't know what to say, but I'm here and I see you and I, I hear you and I love you. It's okay to communicate that. It's, it's okay if that's all that you know how to say. You don't need, have to know the right answer right away, but we need to, to at least speak out in some capacity, even if only to say, I see you, I hear, and I love you, and I'm ready to will and willing uh, to learn and to listen. So we want to be quick to hear, uh, we want to be slow to speak, and, and James then says we want to be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Listen what he says. Why? He says, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. The works of the flesh cannot drive forward the work of of the kingdom. And I have to be just perfectly honest with you here. Over the last, um, not even just this past week, but the last few months, as, as so many of us have been driven online, I am increasingly grieved by those who claim to be followers of Jesus. And whether it's this subject or another subject, but, but particularly for this subject that we've seen over the last week, um, to see our dialogue marked by obscenity, by profanity, um, by snark and cynicism and condescension, the anger of man does not produce or accomplish the righteousness of God. God does not build his kingdom through the works of the flesh. And so no matter what sort of righteous indignation you're, you think you're feeling, if, if what is actually being produced is unrighteousness, that's not righteous indignation, that's human anger. Church, as believers, we are called to be people whose speech is gracious and seasoned with salt. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And there are many professing Christians in this world today, online today, who are proving that they are full of the Spirit, but not the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of this age, who are operating not in the works of the Spirit, but in the works of of the flesh. The anger of man will not produce the righteousness of God, but there's still a really important nuance we need to pay attention to this. James doesn't say don't be angry. He says be slow to anger. Now, this is where it's helpful to have another passage of scripture because the apostle Paul 
uh, writes on this in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. He says this in verses 25 to 29. He says, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth each to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that, what he, so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. That is the role of the church right now is to speak in this way. He says to speak in a way that builds up the one who is in need. That's our calling to put away the speech of the world, to put away the, the profanity and the vulgarity and the obscenity and the snark and the sarcasm and the condescension, that is not the way of Christ. We are called to speak in a way, first and foremost, that brings glory to God, that, that is sanctified speech, evident of a life that's being sanctified by the Holy Spirit in a way that edifies the body and builds up the church and it grieves me when, when I see professing followers of Jesus, it grieves me when I look at my own life and I look at times where my speech has not been seasoned and gracious, seasoned with salt and gracious in a way that honors and glorifies the Lord. We have to be slow to anger, but understand there is a biblical mandate here. There is a time to get angry. There's a time to get angry. We don't want to get angry in the way of the flesh, the way scripture condemns, but there is absolutely a way to be angry in the spirit in a way that scripture condemns. It should grieve us and it should anger us when a man is treated as barbarically and inhumanely as what we witnessed last week. It should just grieve us to our core that there was such desecration of the image of God in man. It should grieve us the reality of death and the brokenness of this world. It should grieve us that over the last week there has been the additional destruction of more life. It should grieve us that there has been the destruction of property, that there are many who uh, this evening as we participate here are seriously in harm's way. This should grieve us. It should grieve us when the Bible, the word of God, which James says can save our souls, which, which the Apostle Paul says is, is powerful for salvation for all who believe. It should grieve us when the Bible is held up as a political prop. That should grieve us. Because it's, it's one thing to hold up the Bible. It is another thing to be held by the Bible. And we want to be people who are held by God's word, who, who are captivated by God's word, who, who have allowed it to do its renewing, sanctifying, transforming work in our lives. Because you know, go back to what James says here in, in chapter 1, because this is the power of God. What we see, if I can get back to where I was, I lost my place. What we see, that listen to what James says here in verse 21. He says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. This is the posture we should have for, for the word of God. Receive it because it will bring us salvation. And from that salvation, it will produce righteousness and good works and good fruit that will be beneficial to building up the church and the body of Christ. We've got to be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger, using the word of God to speak to the person in need, which right now are those who are suffering, those who are hurting. We are not to be people who are adding to the noise. Don't be silent, but that doesn't mean add to the noise. But this is the wisdom that we have from God's word, is to be quick to hear, 
to be slow to speak, slow to anger. If the gospel of Jesus Christ has truly taken root in your heart, you should wage war against all sin because God will not accomplish his kingdom work through the works of the flesh. No matter, no matter how angry we feel the right to be, it is never an excuse for our sin. Be angry, but do not sin. So quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So what do we actually do from here? Uh, where do we go from here? How, how do we respond? What is the path forward? Well, on an ongoing basis, it's just going to require doing James 1, 19 through 21. This is the, the ongoing posture we need to be embracing as followers of Jesus. Quick to hear, slow to speak, uh, slow to anger. But uh, tonight, what I want to do as we wrap up our time together is I want to call, again, this is really specifically for our church family, but if you're watching right now, you're not a part of our church family, I think this is uh, these are things that you can very generally do uh, as a follower of Jesus um, that will be beneficial uh, as we, we continue uh, moving forward. Um, four specific action steps. Now, I'll tell you what all of them are, and then I'll go back and explain uh, each one of these. Uh, the first action step is going to be uh, a day to fast and pray. Uh, the second action step in concert with that fasting and that praying will be uh, a time to lament and grieve. Uh, third action step is a time to listen and learn. Uh, and then fourth, ultimately, uh, to commit to act. So uh, let me walk through these one at a time. So uh, for our church family, but again, if you're, if you're watching, not part of our church family, we invite you to participate with us uh, this weekend. Uh, I want to call us to a day of prayer and fasting um, this coming Sunday. This would be June the 7th. And here's what I want to challenge us to do on that day. Uh, a couple of different things. Um, first, if you went to our churches, if you're here on our church's Facebook page, we've changed our profile picture with those three statements. Quick to listen, uh, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, we challenge you, take that picture, and on Sunday, uh, post that in your social media profile. Uh, post it sometime, preferably in the morning. And here's the challenge that day, is that we want to take all day Sunday to completely disconnect uh, from social media. Um, that there's so much harm that is being caused simply because we have dehumanized one another. Uh, we need flesh and blood, in-person, life-on-life interaction. I want to challenge you to disconnect from social media completely all day Sunday. And then just uh, in the caption there, um, just share today. I'm taking time to pray and fast, um, to lament and grieve, to listen and learn, and to commit to act. And that's what we want to do all day Sunday is uh, as, as we uh, disconnect the little digital detox from social media, um, we, we're be learning to be people who, who are quick to listen and, uh, and, and slow to speak and, and slow uh, to anger. So, um, so disconnect on Sunday. Then my challenge would be is uh, one meal sometime Sunday, what breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever works best for you, is to fast one meal and to commit the time you would regularly spend eating uh, to simply pray over the words here in James 1, 19 through 21. Just asking the Lord that we would learn to be people who are quick to, to, quick to hear, uh, slow to speak, uh, and slow to anger. Um, and, and just asking that we would humbly receive the implanted word, uh, which is able to save souls. So that's the challenge for Sunday. Uh, in, in addition to that, I, I want to just call us to a time to lament and to grieve. Church, we have, just for cross-community family, so I'm not talking about people in California, which they're awesome too, not that I don't care about them, but I just want to talk about our church family. Um, people, not, not anybody out in another state, this is not something we read in a book, this is not something from a documentary. We have specifically in our church family African-American brothers and sisters in Christ who worship together with us each week, who serve our children, who serve our students, 
who faithfully attend and are in community and invested in our church family. And I've been in conversation with so many of them, uh, uh, just many of them as quickly as, as last Wednesday as all of this was happening, last Wednesday, Thursday, as recently as this morning. And I have just heard from so many of them that they're hurting, that they're tired, that they're grieving, that they're in pain, that they feel in many ways unseen, they feel unheard, many who feel heard feel deeply misunderstood. Listen, again, these are not people who are in, 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 in some foreign country. This is our church body. And our calling as believers is to bear each other's burdens. We each have a responsibility in this. Paul says that when one member of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And we have members of her body who are suffering. And so what we need to be doing is, as we pray and fast on Sunday, in the course of these coming days, is to go to the Lord in lament. To, to cry out to the Lord that we're in pain and that those we love are in pain and that our world is in pain. And then we're interceding and pleading for the Lord to, to rend the heavens and tear them open and pour out his Holy Spirit and, and give us a, a passion for his name and for his glory and, and for his word. And we need to lament the brokenness of our world and ask and plead for the Lord to intervene through the body of Christ but more than anything, we have brothers and sisters in our church family who just need to know they're not alone, who, who, who just want to be heard. I, I talked to a brother the other day who just shared this with me. Man, it just broke my heart. He said, you know, Taylor, he was like, I can deal with people not understanding. He was like, I get it. Different upbringings, um, different ethnicity, you know, different background, different family dynamics, different school, different interests. He said, I can deal with that. He said, what I really struggle with is people not listening. We have brothers and sisters in our church family who feel unheard and who feel unseen. And it is not our role to determine whether or not that pain is invalid. That is the work of the enemy. We need to be present. We need to be loving. We need to be caring and shepherding as Christ has done for us, uh, those who are in pain as we bear uh, the burdens uh, collectively of our church body. So we want to lament and grieve. Third, um, this year in particular, I'm going to challenge our church family to enter into a season where we're going to listen and learn. Now, uh, it's like God in his providence knew exactly in a lot of ways what our church family was going to need uh, before this year got started. Um, so back in the spring, we brought in Philip Pinckney for our Go Conference training, and Philip just dropped an avalanche of wisdom on us about uh, developing healthy, diverse, multiplying community. Um, and then later this fall, I'm bringing another friend of mine, Stephen Splawn, who's with the South Carolina Baptist Convention. And so uh, our, my plans with Stephen that day is that he's, uh, he's going to get up and he'll preach. But then um, this will be just a couple days before the election, actually. We're just going to have a very open conversation on stage that day about, about the gospel, about race, and the role and the response of the church. Um, but even beyond that, so over the next couple of weeks, Stephen and I are going to do a Zoom call together that will be recorded and that's going to be made available for you. Um, what I'm really excited about is uh, this past week, we started uh, organizing uh, some conversations. Uh, th these are still in development right now, but we've been organizing some conversations uh, with members of our church body. And we're just going to have some nights where uh, we come together as a panel. And I'm just going to ask them some questions, give them a chance to be open, to be honest, to be vulnerable. And, and we who uh, are in the majority culture, who, who in many ways don't understand their perspectives, we're just going to put ourselves in a posture to listen and to learn from those within our own midst. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? Because here, here's what I can tell you about each one of these brothers and sisters in the Lord that I've spoken with over the last week. Their primary concern is that our church be focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's what drew them into our church family was the focus on the gospel. That's what they believe uh, is going to continue bringing healing to our church body and to our community. Uh, They are aggressively committed to the word of God, uh, to uh, the message of the gospel. And so we want to be able to have just open, honest dialogue about what they experience so that we can maybe come to a more helpful understanding uh, of what some of our brothers and sisters in the Lord are going through that we don't quite see uh, or know for ourselves. Uh, Beyond that, I just want to rapid fire here, um, just give you um, some resources you might want to check out on your own. So maybe uh, if you're interested in reading, uh, just trying to gain a little bit more perspective on how to approach uh, these subjects and issues. Um, few books I'd encourage you to check out. First is uh, Letters to a Birmingham Jail, one of my favorites. This is Multiple Authors, um, Advocates, a recent book I just picked up by Dottie Lewis, uh, a fantastic read, uh, Oneness Embraced by Tony Evans. Again, all of the authors of these books, men and women who are just deeply devoted to the Word of God, to the message of the gospel, um, and they shape these conversations from a very gospel-centric mindset. So check out those resources. But man, if you're really interested, online sermons, just really good follows on social media, um, Twitter, Instagram, just some voices who I I benefit from tremendously, who I hear from regularly. Uh, Charlie Dates uh, preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life. Uh, this past Sunday that I encourage you to go check out. Uh, Preston and Jackie Hill Perry, John Onwachekwa, uh, Dr. Crawford Loritz, uh, Tony Evans again, Eric Mason, Esau McCauley, Trillia Newbell, uh, Tabidi Anyobile. These are all brothers and sisters in the Lord, again, who have a deep devotion to the Word of God, who understand uh, the gospel transformation is inside out, not outside in, and they, they build all of what they're doing on the work of the gospel. Um, and to show how it can have a uh, shaping transformative power in the church, in our community, in our world. So uh, that was a lot at once. If you need that list, just, just shoot us an email, info at crosscommunity.org. Glad to send that out. And I'll, I'll probably just put that in an email, uh, maybe my top five next week um, as, um, as well. But check out any of those resources. Just commit to being uh, in a posture of listening uh, and learning. And finally, just commit to act. Uh, get another brother in our, con- our congregation I spoke with earlier this week. Um, we just we were talking about all these things, and he said, you know, Taylor, he said, I fully believe if, if churches would commit to this very work of starting at home, you know, this is what, you know, I've, I've had to come to recognize. So, you know, Enneagram people, I'm a one. I'm a reformer. I want to change the whole world. You know, that's just, that's just how I'm wired. And uh, I think some of you are probably wired that way, too. Um, but what I've realized and, and had to realize it in the worst ways a lot of times is, is I, I can't change the whole world. I just can't do it. I, no, <laughs> no matter how much I want to, uh, Jesus is this world's only Savior. He's our church's only Savior. He's my family's only Savior. Um, but what I can do is I can lead my family and we can lead within our church in a way uh, that glorifies God and helps shape these conversations in a healthy way uh, that builds up and edifies um, the body of Christ. And so you know, within our own family, that what Emily and I have committed to is, you know, we, we have these conversations uh, with our boys at home. You know, Emily and I were, were tremendously blessed to have a background where we grew up with uh, an extremely diverse circle of friends. Uh, we had the privilege of serving on staff at one of the most ethnically diverse churches in the United States for a few years. And so these things are near and dear uh, to our hearts. And uh, so just from an early age, we want to do our best uh, to help our boys understand what's happening. So last week, our oldest son, Gideon, who's seven, we've just uh, in the best way we can at a seven-year-old level, just kind of explain things uh, to him and uh, just bringing him to that place of understanding. It's, uh, it's uh, being intentional in, in our neighborhood about uh, you know, who he plays with and who we're having to, to our home and who's, who's part of our lives even. And, and, and listen, you know, when we talk about what's going to change the church, 
which is currently the most segregated hour in America every single week. If we're going to talk about what changed the church, before the, the seats change on Sunday morning, uh, the seats at our dinner tables are going to have to look different on Monday. That's where the true change is going to begin. Is, is We want to, as a church, um, have more than a pretended tolerance of each other. We want to have lives that, that are fully invested in each other, where we celebrate one another, encourage one another, where we are genuinely doing life together. Uh, that's what's going to have a real transformative power within our church. Uh, not so much what we do on Sunday morning, so much as how we live our lives uh, Monday through Saturday. And so, so listen, have conversations with your children at an early age about valuing the image of God in all people, regardless of what they look like and regardless of what their background is. Um, make a commitment to, to be intentional about who's sitting at your dinner table, uh, who you're going to lunch with throughout the course of the week. L listen, here, here's a key question for, for you to answer right now. You, you ask, what, what needs to change? The very first thing that might need to change is your phone book. Scroll through your contacts. How many people do you genuinely have in your phone book who look different than you, who vote different than you, who sound different from you, from, from different backgrounds? So that Listen, we're only getting a one-sided perspective. We're never going to fully understand either side of the issues. We have to learn how to listen to a wide range of perspectives so that we can be well-informed followers of Jesus Christ to advance the gospel uh, together in uh, in this world. So, um, so, so diversifying uh, your dinner table, diversifying your, your living room, um, again, all we can do is, is take responsibility for what happens at home. And then church family, we've seen it happen before. Our family has seen this happen before. This is not theory for us. When we do that, when we commit to that work, watch what happens within the church body. We do not just want a pretended tolerance and having diversity just for the sake of diversity. We truly want to be a church body that reflects the heaven where we're going to spend all of eternity together. My desire, my dream has always been that when we show up on Sunday morning, we would look around and have just a tiny little taste of what it's going to look like when we're standing together around the throne of Jesus, uh, when people from all tribes, tongues, and nations are gathered together, um, because uh, he has gathered us to himself, uh, and my hope and desire uh, is, is over time we will continue to see uh, that growth within uh, our own church family and community. So let's start at home uh, committing to that, uh, committing to act um, with, with all of this. So um, so, so listen, th that is the bulk of, of what I wanted to share with you this evening. But just to recap very, very quickly, our posture as followers of Jesus, uh, the mission of the church undoubtedly, first and foremost, is to preach the gospel and make disciples. When our hearts have been transformed by the gospel, we have been called to participate in the work of justice and renewal in our world. That's how we live out the gospel. Uh, in order to move past all of the division uh, that we're seeing online and, and running these cycles of, of just shouting over each other, not hearing each other, not listening to each other, uh, we're going to have to learn to be quick to hear, to be slow to speak, and to be slow to anger. And then four action steps in the weeks and months ahead. We want to fast and pray. So that's this coming Sunday, June 7th. Let's commit to fasting and praying. Change your social media profile uh, to the picture that we are to just post online, however you want to do it. Let's commit to that on Sunday, uh, praying the words of James 1, 19 through 21. Let's commit to lament and grieve, uh, to hurt with the hurting and to grieve with the grieving, uh, bearing one another's burdens so that we fulfill the law of Christ. Let's commit to listen and to learn. Uh, that's going to happen within our church family. I challenge you in your own individual time uh, with the Lord to seek out resources, to seek out voices uh, that can help you shape um, these conversations. And then finally, let's commit to act. 
Let, let's commit to teaching our children about the image of God in man. Let's commit uh, to intentionally diversifying our dinner tables and to welcoming in new voices so that we can always have uh, important perspectives to help us understand uh, things that are happening within our world. This is what the Lord has called us to as his people. And so right now we have a fantastic opportunity to visibly put on display the hope and the message of the gospel. Uh, and so my hope is that we as a church, as hard as some of this is going to be, is that we would take this head on, we would commit to these things, we would uphold one another in honor as we glorify the Lord uh, and advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, church family, I, I love you so much. Uh, again, thank you for joining in tonight. It's one of the big negatives of recording the services in advance is it doesn't allow us to speak into a lot of things in real time. Um, so thank you for taking time to do this this evening. Know that more of this is coming uh, in the weeks ahead, but we love you. We're here for you. Cannot wait to be back with you in person uh, on June 21st at the YMCA. So uh, you guys take care and have a good night.